You're listening to nothing but the best of internet marketing talk, and you're listening to The David Conley Show. And here's your host, David Conley. Well, greetings, brothers and sisters of the planet Earth. This is your conductor, David, here, welcoming you to another fun-packed edition of my little show. You know, I had to listen to a couple of the previous shows, and I have to admit, as I heard those shows, I was a wee bit kind of croaky and a wee bit tired and, oh, just a little bit, you know, kind of down with it. But now it's all, uh, you know, now I am wide awake, I have had a Red Bull, and I'm here, and I'm clear, and I'm ready to just lay on some good vibes and send them your direction. So uh, we're all energetic this week, and thank you for being here. Sorry I missed you last week. Uh, I've been working like a madman recently. And I truly just haven't had time to come on, but it's cool because I am here to tell you the very best of what I've been up to. How are you enjoying the Olympics, by the way? What do you make of it so far? You know, for me it's been kind of a funny old Olympics because um, this is the first Olympics ever where I haven't cared too much about which country wins an event, you know? Uh, You know what it's like with the Olympics, right? Everybody's all suddenly, you know, tribalistic and patriotic. (laughs) We're all singing about who we conquered many years ago and all of that stuff. Uh, But the strange thing is, is this time around, I'm just not feeling that, you know? I, I just feel as if we're all part of the same family. And I'm not trying to sound like a Miss World contestant here, but really and truly, as far as the Olympics goes, I just hope that the best person wins, you know? And I really don't care which country they come from. Um, And above all, actually, I hope that the contestants come away from it with positive, empowering kind of feelings of being special and awesome, you know. You know, the funny thing about the Olympics, actually, is that uh, it's a strange old thought, right? But the vast, overwhelming majority of those athletes who are competing at the Olympics, you know, they're going to have careers that will last maybe eight years. Maybe if they're really lucky, 12 years or something. Most of them won't, won't actually be full-time athletes they'll have you know they'll be holding down jobs and when that all comes to an end maybe in the 30s or something maybe even in the late 20s for some of them um when that all eventually comes to an end most of those people are going to have to go back to the real world that means earning a living That means back to the coalface, you know, and it's heavy, and I feel for those guys. You know, I believe it or not, when when I left school back in 1994, I was actually a full-time runner for a year. (laughs) It sounds crazy. Nowadays, I look more like a truck driver, but when I left school, I was, uh, for a while, I was quite fast at 
5,000 meter running for a guy my age, you know, and they gave me a tracksuit and I was racing and I, I trained with um, a few really good runners. I trained with uh, Peter Elliott. He was the silver medalist at the Seoul Olympics at the 1500 meters. I trained with him. I trained with, who's a guy who won the London Marathon? Um, a British guy. I think it's so. Oh, geez, Eamon Martin, something like that. Imagine not forgetting. Imagine not remembering. Um, but I've I've mingled and mixed with some real class athletes in the past. You know, long, long, long time ago. And uh, I was kind of a part of that world for a wee while. And like I say, it's the strangest thing because when that whole athletics thing comes to an end suddenly boom you're back to the normal world jobs you know paying the miserable rent and all that stuff so um i kind of feel for the athletes and i hope that they they come away from it with a positive experience and a positive outlook win lose or draw so that's pretty much my take on the olympics um Let's talk about, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say, <laughs> if you are an Olympic athlete and your career is coming to an end, well, you've came to the right place because you know what? The world of the web is such a fabulous place. The wonderful information superhighway, it doesn't care how old you are doesn't care how fast you run the 100 meters, you know. I think the web's a pretty cool thing to be getting into, and that's why I'm so happy to be here sharing some of this stuff with you. So let's get on with it, shall we? Now, over the past couple of weeks, as I say, I've been working in the world of web development, and I've been uh, talking to a lot of clients and potential clients, and frankly, I've been doing a lot of selling. I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of, but I've been trying to sell my services. Now, I'm very fortunate because, um, you know, I have some high rankings on Google, and people that seem happy to talk to me and so on but i have to tell you people some some of the things i've been hearing when i when i'm heading out there and i'm talking to when i'm talking to potential clients it is unbelievable now let me tell you what i'm talking about here right um when, I, when I'm heading out here, here's a couple of things that I'm noticing, okay? The first thing I'm noticing is a high number, a very, very high number of the people who are approaching me or who I'm approaching and who I'm talking to about uh, working for them in the capacity of a web developer. You know, I am a web developer, right? A very high proportion of them are people who have been made redundant. They've lost their jobs, but they've got some money, you know, that they've been given, and this is their their big break. This is their golden opportunity to start up their own web business. Now, that's kind of cool, and, um, you know, I, I cannot think of a more positive thing to do. But it is kind of worrying, because I would say possibly as much as 50% of the people I'm talking to, and I'm talking to about three, four people a day, okay, and about 
as much as 50% of them are all coming from the background of having been made redundant. That's kind of heavy and it says a lot of things about the economy. Now this isn't a show about economics or anything, but this could have implications for us in the future. I'm kind of worried about the economy right now and I don't want to go off on one, but I just think that that's an interesting thing to observe. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, I think it's interesting. Now the second thing that I'm noticing, and this is what I really want to talk to you about, is that some of the ideas that people are giving me uh, for their online businesses are absolutely insane. Well, in fairness, okay, they're not insane, but they they have as much chance as a snowball in hell, okay? And I thought it would be really good to talk about this stuff and to share some thoughts with you guys because really and truly there is a problem out there, you know, people just have not got a clue. They are coming into the world of the web with every good intention and, you know, I think it's cool and they're intelligent, hardworking, um, ethical, well-intentioned people, but they really have not got a clue. Now, let me give you a couple of examples, okay? Example. Guy, a guy got in touch with me last week. Um, I think he was from England. Now, he was a cool guy, nice guy, super cool. Maybe he's listening to the show, you know? Great guy, awesome, right? We had a few laughs on the phone. He was cool. And he was talking about hiring me to build this website for him, you know? And... To be honest, I think I could have got the deal if I wanted it. But when I talked to him about his idea, folks, this was just unbelievable. Now, I'm not going to go into his exact idea because, you know, this this is someone's dream we're talking about. You know, this is, this is like someone's absolute lifetime dream. So I'm not going to dish out ideas and I don't want to even be disrespectful. So I'll give you a kind of heavily modified version of what it was he was wanting to do, okay? But basically, his idea was he wanted me to build this, let's just say a kind of social media app, okay? Uh, So this would be a, a website with a facility for a community so people could sign up and upload pictures, they could talk to each other, maybe they would have a calendar with some events and so on. So just a kind of, imagine a website with a kind of social element to it, you know, and that was okay. And then the guy said, he said a couple of things actually. I asked him, I says, I says to him, something that I always ask, right? I ask every client this question. Now I have clients who listen to this show and they'll be saying, yeah, well, he asked me that, okay? And the question I always ask is, what would need to happen over the next 12 months for you to walk away from this feeling really happy? I mean, what specifically needs to happen for your business to be declared a success? And you know what the answer was from this guy? He said, I'd like to have one million people 
signed up to this website. Okay, one million people signed up to it. Folks, now this is a guy who has never launched a website before, who has no experience whatsoever of the web. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then, now check this out, folks, right? Check this out. He said, once the site has been launched, he says, I'm, I'm going to approach other businesses with the actual web application, uh, which will, of course, belong to him legally and all of that stuff. He was very paranoid about that, okay? He says, I'm going to approach other companies and organizations, clubs and what have you, charities, and I'm going to say to them, why don't you buy this social media big super duper application from me and you can bolt it onto your website and people who want to be social, whatever that means, <laughs> they can just head to your website, click the link and take the trip. Now, can you see the flaw in that business idea, folks? Can you see the flaw? Yeah, I said to him, you've got it, right? I said to him, I said, look, there's just one problem. If you go out into the world and you look at some websites, have a wee click around, see what's happening, you will probably notice that the sites who want to have a kind of social aspect, they have wee icons, maybe an icon for Twitter, maybe one for Facebook, maybe even one for YouTube or Google+. Some of those people have got like Facebook feeds on their websites and basically there is already an entire social media universe which is very well established. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and it's free of charge and it's working perfectly well and thank you very much. And the guy was like, yeah, but um, with my thing, it actually loads onto the website. And I, I said to the guy, look, I said, are you seriously competing with Facebook? Is that what you're telling me? You're, <laughs> you're coming in from scratch, right? Completely from ground zero. And you're going to basically build, build the next Facebook. Is, is that what you're telling me? And he, and he was saying to me, well, it's just blah, blah, blah. You know, and he was trying to justify how his idea was better than Facebook. Unbelievable. And then, of course, as the conversation went on, he had a design or a website of sorts, and it had a logo on it, and the logo was terrible. I mean, I won't describe it. I want to protect the person. Uh, you know, but it just had this terrible logo, terrible design. And I said to him, uh, what's the story with the logo, you know? And he, he told me, well, the logo is going to blah, blah, blah. And then he started talking about merchandising. And he says, people are going to buy T-shirts with the logo. And people are going to get wristbands. And, you know, that logo is going to be fantastic. And I said to him, you know, I said, I have had this conversation a million times, you know, and I, I know what's going to happen here. He said, what? I said, you're not 
going to allow me the opportunity to change that logo? If I present you with all the advice under the sun, I could do a 10-hour presentation, you will never change that logo at all because you're completely emotionally attached to it. Am I correct? And the guy says, well, I mean, you can change the website background colour, you can change the, you know, you can change the layout or anything, just don't mess with the logo, you know? And I thought, right, okay, well, thank you very much for your offer. Um, I'm sure someone will be delighted to work for you, but it's not going to be me, you know? And it's funny because when I was going to put this show out, I almost made the title, Your Logo Sucks. Because let me tell you something, folks. When you've been building hundreds of websites since the mid-1990s, okay? Believe me, folks, I was doing this kind of stuff before any of the so-called gurus that you know about even knew about the web, you know? Where was Frank Kern in the mid-1990s? Where was Eben Pagan? What about Jeff Johnston, John Reese? Where were those people? I don't know where they were, but I was here. I was building. I've been doing web development since before they even had a name for it, okay? So I've built hundreds of sites. Now, let me tell you something, folks. I've told you this before. But after about 11 years, you start to notice patterns between the people who do really well and the people who fail miserably. Now, let me give you a big, massive indicator here of failure. It's very simple. It's very simple, okay? See the people who spend ages fussing and fretting and swooning with delight over their logo. Over the the logo. Those people always fail miserably. Take this down if you have a pen. I kid you not, right? Write down after me. My logo sucks, okay? (laughs) Okay, maybe your logo doesn't suck. I'm only joking. But the point is, you know, whenever I see someone becoming emotionally attached to the logo, you know, sometimes you see people doing it with a slogan and all of that stuff, you just know that they have not got their mind right. There's a cracking show on TV just now called The Hotel Inspector. Um... Is it the hotel? Sorry, it's the restaurant inspector. That's who it is, the restaurant inspector. And he's a really cool guy, you know. I like the show. It's a TV show. And he heads into these restaurants and he turns them around. It's kind of like the same vibe Gordon Ramsay has, except he doesn't swear as much, you know. And uh, I can so identify with the restaurant inspector The other week I saw this on TV, I don't watch too much of it, but I saw this episode and the restaurant inspector was transforming this business. It was fantastic. The business was making nothing, right? I mean, they were going under and the restaurant inspector came along and he was like, okay, change this on the menu, change this, do this. We're going to have new furniture. We're going to paint the place. We're going to have a brand new menu. I mean, they transformed this restaurant. It was unbelievable, right? 
But then, right towards the end of the show, the restaurant inspector said, there's one more change that I want you to make. And the restaurant owner is like, gee, you've changed my life. You know, of course, just say what you want and I'll do it. And the restaurant inspector said, I want you to change the name of this restaurant. And you, <laughs> you, would, you should have seen the reaction from the restaurant owner. He was just like, no chance, no way. No, and the the whole the restaurant inspector guy saying, "Look, you, you really that name isn't serving you as well as it should. Let's face it, the business hasn't really made much anyway. Why don't you try a new name?" And folks, you would not believe how resistant this person was to this. Eventually, okay, eventually, they took the restaurant guy sign down. Uh, <laughs> and they got another name. The other name was quite cool, actually. They called the restaurant, I think, it, it sold African food, and in the end, they changed the name to Zanzibar, which wasn't a bad name. And they got a nice new sign, and they put it up. And as they were taking the old sign down, the the restaurant inspector's like, oh, you're taking the old sign down. I don't know what I'm saying here. But he was basically just crying like a little baby because his sign got took down. And it's unbelievable, folks. People get so caught up and I almost swore. I haven't swore on this show once, you know, not once. And I'm not going to start. But they get caught up in this bleep, okay? They get caught up in all of this stuff, this nonsense and they completely lose the plot. It happened recently with a very good friend of mine, very good client, great guy. He sells online jewelry. Oh, sorry, he sells jewelry online. Uh, he, you know, got to page one on Google. I think he still is page one for ladies' wedding rings. The site started bringing in money, everything going great, everything seemed to be going in a positive direction. And then out of nowhere, about two, three weeks ago, he developed this crazy, unhealthy obsession with changing his logo, you know. Uh, he is no longer a client of mine. I mean, he's a great guy. Thank you very much. Hope it all works out. But I'm not going to faff about with logos. I don't care how nice you are, who you know, or what we've all been through. Because I know what works. And when someone's on to a loser, I don't want to be part of it, you know. So he's out there faffing about with his logo. And let's see what happens, you know. So, have I made the point here? Are you paying attention, people? Are you paying attention? Now... The, there was another example actually that I wanted to give you but I don't know if I should I don't know if I want to I don't know, go on as much so much here and just do your head in with all of this negative stuff but I'm talking about people who have crazy ideas about businesses that are going to work on the web they are completely deluded and out of touch with reality and they don't seem to appreciate what actually matters, you know. 
So I've given the example of the guy who wanted to go head to head with Facebook. That was kind of an interesting example. There was another crazy idea I had recently. I'm trying to remember it. Now just give me give me five seconds, right? I just need to remember this. Uh what was it again? <laughs> Oh, there was someone with a... It was just this insane idea. I can't remember it. I cannot remember. It will come to me in a wee minute, okay? But it was... It was... Oh, yeah, I remembered it. I remembered it. It was... (laughs) Check this one out, right? Guy got in touch with me just a few weeks ago. And he wanted me to build this website. And I kid you not, people, right? I kid you not. His idea was to build a website called, and I think the domain name was going to be something like highstreet.com, okay? Something like that. Maybe that wasn't the exact domain name, okay? Just giving you a flavour of the vibe. Just relax. But that was kind of the vibe, right? He wanted to build this site with a name that was something like highstreet.com. And I said, well, what's the idea there? And he said, well... He says, I'm going to build this online shop and the online shop is going to have all of these different departments and things in it. And actually, um, I'm going to let other shops rent all of the different departments and they can call it their shops. And the whole idea is that instead of people going to the high street, they can go to highstreet.com. Ding, 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 you know. And I was like, hold on a second. Are, are you telling me that you are going to <laughs> you are going to take the whole of the high street? I mean, you're you're actually seriously trying to go head to head with the WalMarts and all that, with physical bricks and mortar shop with the high street, and you think that your little insignificant website is going to compete against all of that and you think that they're all going to come flooding to you and try to buy from you and the guy he again just on another planet okay now this this is something that i haven't seen before honestly folks the ideas that i'm that that i'm hearing from people are for the most part, uh, you know, overwhelmingly just ridiculous, like that, you know, like the guy who's going to build the site that replaces the high street, you know, and suddenly all of the online shops, eBay, Amazon, all of that, forget about it, you know, they're all going to go to highstreet.com. It is just ridiculous. And then we've got the guy going after Facebook. and It's unbelievable. Now, we can come on to this show and we can laugh at people like that, I suppose. And we can make ourselves feel smug. And we can ridicule them and all of that. But the funny thing is, you know, is that they are intelligent people. I mean, I can I can tell, you know, when you talk to them, and some of them I got to know quite well. They are intelligent, ethical, hardworking. You know, they are the people who make the lights go on at night. These are good people. They're not idiots, right? It's just that they haven't got a clue 
how to make a living on the web. Now, why is it they're getting it wrong? I'll tell you why, folks, right? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? I'll tell you why they're basically getting this wrong. The reason is, I think, they have the wrong role models. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? I said the reason why people haven't got a clue how to make a living via the web these days, generally speaking, is because they have the wrong role models. Now, incidentally, I have to stress, you know, I have clients who listen to this show and some of them have been with me for um, a long time. I have one client who's been with me for eight years, which is quite a while, and I have others who are just brand new. So if you're listening to this and you've talked to me about an idea and you're paranoid and you think I'm slagging it, slagging your idea, I'm not, okay? My rule is basically this. If, if I'm working for anyone, then one of the conditions is I must believe in your idea, okay? So it's just a wee word for the clients there. I don't want to get them paranoid, you know? If you're a client of mine, a client, I didn't pronounce my T, don't get paranoid, right? It's fine. I'm talking about just the complete insane stuff that I'm hearing. This is what I'm talking about, and I'm saying to you that they have the wrong role models. Now, what do I mean here? Well, basically, here is the vibe, right? See, when you think about the the media, and I'm talking about, you know, TV and what have you, and even the movies and stuff like that. Well, there's this image of the web that somehow has emerged. And the idea that people have is that the web is this place where you invent stuff. And if you come up with a good enough invention, then, well, it's just a case of choosing what colour of Lamborghini you want, you know. People seem to think that if they, 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 well, they seem to think that being successful on the web, earning a living, okay, whatever success means to you, for most of us it means earning a living or earning a good living. People seem to think that in order to do that, they need to invent something. And as I say, they get it from the media because if you if you look at, um, for example, in, on TV, we've got shows like Dragon's Den, you know. Have you seen that? It's like everyone comes on and they pitch these ideas and a lot of them are inventions and, you know, the, the dragons judge whether or not this invention could have legs and and they get this kind of idea in their head that that's how it works. Um, to, to a slightly lesser extent, we have the same thing with The Apprentice. And then, of course, we've got uh, things like films, like Social Network, you know. And, of course, um, Steve Jobs, you know, it's not so long ago since we lost Steve Jobs and... Of course, people get get exposed to his life story and they hear about this guy who invented the iPhone or the iPad. And I know what you're thinking. He never invented it. Okay, stop being clever. Stop being clever. Okay. But pe- I'm just saying that people get the, this kind of romantic idea 
that this is how it works, you know? So they see the wee college kid, the wee geeky guy, what's his name, Mark Zuckerberg, and they see him becoming a billionaire, and they're like, wow, that could be me. And so everyone's going away. Sorry, I hit the microphone there. You can tell I'm very animated here, folks. I'm swinging my arms about. But people get really caught up in this and they think, do you know what? They say, I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs. I'm going to be the next uh, Facebook guy, Mark Zuckerberg. I'm going to be the guy who starts the next YouTube. I am going to be the guy who starts up the next Amazon. And people, they, they have these insane, crazy, deluded ideas that they're going to change the web with some ridiculous invention. And they think that that's entrepreneurial. They think that that's good business, you know, uh, or a good way to run a business. And it's ridiculous. Now, the, the reason why it's ridiculous, just, you know, I want to tell you something. There are people listening to this show right now. Maybe you're one of them. And maybe you have this kind of idea as well. So I want to say something to you, right? Now, okay, let me see if I can... I'm just going to get my pen here and see if I can figure this out. I'm terrible at maths these days, right? But let's just try some, a wee bit of kind of arithmetic and see how we get on here, right? Okay, there is a national lottery in the UK, there is a European lottery, and I'm sure there's a few in America, there's actually several lotteries in the UK, and I'm sure that if you count up all of the major lotteries, there's about, say, well, let's say there's 20 uh, lotteries across the world every single week, okay? Now, uh, that's a conservative estimate. There's probably much more than that. Now, let's assume that on average, there's one lottery winner per week per lottery. So that means that we have 20 lottery winners per week, okay? I'm scribbling this down because I know I'm going to get all messed up here or mixed up. Right, so we have roughly about 20 lottery winners per week now. Uh, in a year, let's um, let's just see. So that means that in a year, we get roughly, actually, oh, let's say very roughly about a thousand lottery winners per year. Very, very roughly. Actually, there's going to be more than that, okay? And in a 10-year period, uh, have I got that right? Actually, hold on a second. Hari hiri hor ha, shiri hori he. Two fives are ten. Yes, of course. So we've got a thousand lottery winners per year. Now, over the course of a ten-year period, we have ten thousand lottery winners. Are you paying attention here, people? I'm saying to you that every ten years, there are ten thousand people across the world who win the jackpot on the lottery. Now, hold that figure in your mind and let me ask you a question. How many game-changing, industry-shaking 
life-changing, revolutionary websites have we had within the last 10 years? Okay? How many? Well, let's count them up. Okay. Within the last 10 years. Now, we cannot count Amazon because it's more than 10 years we more than 10 years old we cannot count google okay uh, we, we're actually quite limited here with what we can count within the last 10 years we've had youtube okay let's write that down we had youtube right that was kind of a revolutionary site i'll give you that i would say we had facebook and that was kind of quite revolutionary yep we had Twitter, that was kind of a revolutionary site when it came along. Um, now I'm starting to scrape the barrel a wee bit. Uh, in terms of game-changing websites, well, Amazon Web Services, possibly. It kind of revolutionised hosting, even though most normal people on the street haven't heard of it. Now, have I missed some out? Absolutely. I've definitely missed some out. But let's conservative... I'm at four. Folks, I am at four. And I'm running out of ideas here, right? Now, let's just imagine I'm having a bad day. I'm sure I'll end this broadcast and I'll go, gee, why didn't I think of them? You know, there'll be tons of sites that I forgot to mention. Um, but let's conservatively say that there's ten, Okay. In fact, that's ridiculous. There's probably only about five. But in any event, let's just be completely over-complimentary to the web and assume that within the last ten years, there have been ten game-changing sites. I don't believe there has been ten. I think the number's more like five or six, but there you go. Well, folks, here's what we're saying to review the information. We are saying... That there are in a 10 year period uh, with this logic there are 10,000 lottery winners and in that time period there's only 10 game changing websites built. Now let's just remove some zeros here and then isn't that interesting okay write this down if your game, if your strategy if your dream depends on building and launching a revolutionary, inventive, game-changing, industry-shaking-up website, then your chances of success, logically speaking, are a thousand times worse than your chances of winning the lottery. Can you handle that, people? So, in other words, to the guy who wanted to take on Facebook... Had I said to him, look, just abandon this crazy website idea, you know, just just go do something else. In fact, buy a lottery ticket, okay? Just buy a lottery ticket. Well, guess what, folks? I've just increased his chances of being successful by a thousand times, okay? I'm just looking at the logic, right? So, when you think about it, does this whole invention route... Does, does this really seem like a sensible way to go? The answer is obvious. Of course it doesn't. So that the problem is that we have the wrong role models. You know, if you like people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, that's fabulous. 
I have a book by Bill Gates here at home. It's called Business at the Speed of Thought. I enjoy reading it. I like the guy, you know. I think I don't know much about Steve Jobs, but I can appreciate everything he achieved. And, you know, that's fine. But the point is, if if you and I try to be the next Steve Jobs or be the next Bill Gates or the next Facebook guy or whatever, folks, it is a losing game. It is insane. Okay? It's a complete waste of time. Now, here's a question. How do you know if you are actually part of this losing team because you know I know that there's lots of you who have business ideas and you're probably thinking well you know I'm not some crazy inventive guy I've you know I've thought this through and I have plans and all of that stuff well let me help you out here okay let me help you out right if I was to ask you right now if I was to say to you okay Tell me what your business plan is. Start talking. Okay? And imagine you're just telling me about your business idea, just like those guys I was telling you about, and you're telling me your idea. And by the way, folks, I have these conversations almost every single day. Almost every day, someone gives me their idea. Sometimes they're trying to hire me. Sometimes they're trying to partner up with me. But I'm always having these conversations. And let me tell you, folks, I can tell in two minutes whether the website is good, whether the idea is going to work or not. I have got this down to a fine art. I can tell it in two minutes. So here we go, right? What is your business idea? And you're talking. And tell me, and I'm listening, okay, okay, oh, right, okay. Are you telling me your idea? You better be. We're using some awesome technologies today, and I'm listening to your idea. Right, okay. Here's a question. When you describe your idea, is there anywhere in that whole explanation where the phrase, we are going to change the way that people blankety blank appears or I am going to change or this website is going to change okay let's stick with that let me say that again for you right when you tell someone about your business idea or if you told someone about your business idea is there anywhere in that explanation where the words or words similar to this website is going to change the way that people blank. Is there anywhere where that phrase appears or a similar phrase? If the answer is yes, then take it from me, right? I'm on your side. If the answer is yes, then you've lost the plot. You're going down the same crazy, deluded Steve Jobs type path. I mean, Steve Jobs was awesome. I'm not disrespecting him, but I'm talking about trying to be this kind of super inventive character. And it's just not how the web works. Folks, if you go, if you are going down that road, I have it in front of me, you're playing at odds, which are a thousand times less than your odds of winning the lottery. Can you handle this? Good. So, 
when when you think about your business idea, like I say, if, if anywhere and you're saying, hey, you know, this website is going to change the way that people listen to music. <laughs> okay. It's going to change the way that people shop online. No. You know, it's another fail there. It's going to change the way that people, I don't know, um, do social media. Okay. Any of those phrases, if your plan says we're going to change the way that people blah, 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 take it from me, it's a, it's a poisoned, deeply flawed idea. Forget all about it. So, I think we've had enough negativity for today, don't you? Me too. Okay, so let's talk about something positive. What is the antidote to all of this, well craziness let me tell you what i think the antidote is you know what it is folks we need to change our role models now let me be clear it's okay to be a fan of facebook twitter it's okay to like people like steve jobs and to you know admire and respect all of the things that people like Bill Gates, you know, people like that. It's okay to look up to those people, right? But it is not any way to think about running your own business. So what we're going to do, what we're going to say, what we're going to do on this show is we're going to change the role models. We're going to take those old ones and we'll put them somewhere, but we're going to put some glorious new role models in their place. And we're going to do it hopefully within the next five, ten minutes because I don't want to blabber on for too long. So let's have some new role models. Does that sound okay? Does that sound okay? Good, good. Right, okay. We'll check this out, right? Have you ever heard the story about how McDonald's started up? You know, I feel as if I should do a whole show about McDonald's. Now, I know that you maybe don't like the food, okay? None of us really likes the food that much, (laughs) okay? Well, some of us do. I know that there's all sorts of political and economical challenges with McDonald's. And, you know, I was... I'm sure one of those people who protested against them back in the day. I know that there's all sorts of bad vibes with McDonald's. Vibes to do with health, to do with food, to do with maybe even how they treat animals. All of that stuff is perfectly fine. You know, you can have that conversation okay. But today, on this day, on this one day. Let's just put all of that stuff to the side for just a moment and think about McDonald's as an actual kind of just a business entity, okay? Just this thing that has the purpose of generating revenue. And if you actually just look at McDonald's from that perspective, folks, there is your role model right there. McDonald's is one of the best businesses in the world, you know, from a purely uh, cold, calculated, how the business is run type way. 
It is absolutely fantastic. Has anyone ever told you about how McDonald's started up? Do you get the feeling that someone's about to tell you how they started up? Well, let me tell you a wee bit of the story, okay? McDonald's started up, I think it was back in the 50s, I'm pretty sure of it. If I'm wrong, I apologise. But it was back in the days, you know, probably. Back in the days when Fonzie and the gang ruled the neighbourhood, okay? And there was a guy called Ray Kroc who was a salesman and he sold milkshake mixing machines, you know, uh, just machines for making milkshakes. And he sold these machines to cafes, you know, these milkshake makers. And the, uh, the, the country was going through a not so great time economically at that point in time. But there was this one cafe which was in San Bernardino, USA. And every week they kept ordering new milkshake makers. It was ridiculous. And it, it got to a stage where the guy, Ray Kroc, the salesman, thought, what on earth is going on? You know, he thought, I usually sell maybe uh, one or two milkshake makers, but this one cafe has bought dozens of them. They just keep buying all these milkshake makers and everyone else is struggling. What on earth is going on? So he ended up, he headed all the way down there and he said, I have got to check this place out. I want to see what they're doing that no one else is doing. So Ray Kroc headed off and he headed off to what was the first McDonald's. And back then it was run by the McDonald's brothers, you know. And when he got there, he could not believe what he saw. Folks, he saw queues of people winding down the street. He saw all of the local people just loving these hamburgers and, you know, just wolfing it down. And they were all saying, geez, this place is awesome. He saw an absolute thriving business. And most of all, when he actually headed in and he saw uh, what was going on in there, he noticed that the McDonald's brothers had patterned their entire business on the way that Henry Ford ran his car production plants. So the McDonald's brothers were all about efficiency. Now, it's funny, you know, because at the time, there was hamburger places all over America. You know, you're practically falling all over them. But the McDonald's brothers were different because they actually they actually like built their own machinery and stuff so that things could be produced like super quick. Um, they they arranged the you know all of the kitchen stuff, the the cookers and what have you, in such a way so that they had the absolute shortest distance to go to get things served up and moving. I mean, everything had been calculated just to the nth degree. And so they had this super, super efficient system for uh, producing and selling hamburgers. Now, there was a couple of other things that, that they did which helped them as well. One of the other things they did is they had a very limited menu. Check this out, okay? So... 
you know, they didn't sell macaroni and <laughs> and uh, you know fish and chicken and all the other stuff. They they had a very very limited menu and they were just very efficient at the things that they produced. Now that was the vibe. So Ray Kroc headed in and he thought, "Geez, I have got to do something with these guys." And he ended up going into business with them. And they built up this big empire, then Ray Kroc kind of bought them out and the rest is history, you know. But in any event, that's just the wee short version of McDonald's. Now there's stuff that you can learn from that. There's lessons there. Because when you think about it, you know, McDonald's never actually invented anything. They never, you know, gave us a new iPhone or anything like that. They just delivered something that was already out there. Check it out. Already there. Already in demand. Already with a completely healthy, thriving customer base. And they took that thing that had already been out there and they served it up in a way which nobody had ever done before. Isn't that unbelievable? You should check out McDonald's. And I tell you what, folks, head head to the next time you're at McDonald's, remember this conversation. There are things going on there which are just unbelievable. The efficiency. I mean, you go to the drive-thru, right? And the person who's taking your order on the, the microphone thing is also serving someone at the window and dealing with change and all that. And right above her head, at the, or his head, at the drive-thru, have a look up. You'll see a computer screen, okay? Everything's happening. It's all computerized. They have efficiency like you wouldn't believe. So there's a role model for you. I'll give you a couple of others and then I'm out of here, okay? Um, another good role model is Starbucks. Now... You have never seen an advert on TV for Starbucks. I'm pretty sure you've never seen an advert on a bus shelter or in a magazine or anywhere like that for Starbucks. But you see, Starbucks don't need to advertise. They never really built up their empire with any advertising. They did not need to advertise. And why is that? Well, it's because of how they marketed the business. And it, again, this this is the kind of stuff that anyone who's thinking about getting into the web, they should really study this, you know. They should check out companies like Starbucks and see what happened. Now, in the, let's talk about Starbucks, okay? What on earth is Starbucks? Well, it's just a coffee shop. Just a plain old coffee shop. I'm going over time today, but it's okay. I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> right. Starbucks is just a coffee shop, right? Now, you could go back to the days of Christ, and I'm pretty sure you probably had coffee shops on the planet, you know? And there's been coffee shops and... You know, Europe, there's been coffee shops in Asia, there have been coffee shops to the left, to the right, there's been coffee shops everywhere, okay? The, nothing new there, no revolutionary invention, you know, no big deal. And of course, 
what is your average coffee shop like or what did it used to be like before Starbucks? Well, if I think of my own life in Scotland, I think of my childhood and you think about, I think about day trips to wee seaside towns and when you go in a coffee shop, you know, traditionally, sure they've got coffee, but you can have rolls, you can have soup, you can have tea, biscuits, ice cream, maybe even some sweets and other things, you know. Maybe you can even have things like pasta and salads and all that stuff, okay? That's, I mean, that's an, that's an ordinary coffee shop. But what did Starbucks do, folks? Well, if you, you know, you'll know this, right? They didn't do the soup. They did not bother with, you know, the rolls and the salads and all of that stuff. When Starbucks started off, all they offered was coffee and some cakes. And you know what's more? They never even just called it coffee. Did you notice the name? Did you notice the names? I mean, you don't go in Starbucks and say, can I have a medium black coffee? You go in and you say, can I have a venti americano, you know? <laughs> and they had all these, uh, or they have all of these kind of exotic names for the coffee. Can you remember what the desk looks like when you go to Starbucks when you're getting served? Can you remember? Can you visualize it in your mind? That's right, you look down and what do you see? You see wee trays with coffee beans, literally, you know? Uh, you know, just these coffee beans and a wee spiel about how the coffee beans are produced to the highest possible standards and all that stuff. And have you noticed what colour the walls are? You know, did you notice any of this stuff? Now, here's the thing, right? When you eliminate all the other stuff, when you, or when Starbucks did this, and when they just focus on coffee, I say focused with a you know focused past tense because things have changed now, but there's explanations for that. We're not going to go there today, right? I'm talking about how they started up. I'm talking about how they made the breakthrough. And they focused entirely on coffee. Now, they had all different types of coffee, but essentially it was all about the coffee, folks. It was all about the coffee. So what happened? Well, over time, people started to kind of get the message. If they want coffee and they want good coffee, guess where they go? Starbucks, you know? Um, and it's funny, you know, I, I'm actually a kind of coffee connoisseur. I know it sounds daft, but I'm, you know, I'm into coffee, you know, and, and I, I, I can tell the difference between good coffees and bad coffees. And most of the time, I, I find that the, the small independent cafes generally, especially some of the Italian cafes in the neighbourhood, they seem to sell the best coffees, you know. Starbucks, I don't want to badmouth them, but their coffees are kind of average, you know. But the thing is, with all this marketing going on, that's not what the general population thinks. They think, you know what, if I'm going to meet anyone for a coffee, I'm going to go to Starbucks, the coffee capital of the universe. Now, there is a book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. I think it's by a guy called Al Reese, off the top of my head. 
And it talks about the law of focus. This is one of the laws of branding. And the law is that the more you narrow the focus, the stronger the brand becomes. Folks, when you look at Starbucks, it's an absolute textbook example, isn't it? I mean, they narrowed the focus. They focused just on the coffee. The brand goes through the roof. Folks, they did not even have to advertise. It's unbelievable. So check it out. You've, you've got the same story as McDonald's. You know, no great new invention. No, there's nothing new about coffee, right? No earth-shaking idea that radically transforms people's lives. Once again, just like McDonald's, it's taking uh, something that's already out there and doing it in a super intelligent, super uh, super sophisticated way. It is absolutely fantastic, Ola. These are the role models that you should have. Let me give you one more. Uh, Honda. Honda have really got, they have got it, got, got it all together. Now, if I say to you, what's a Honda car like? You probably have, or if I was to say, okay, give me some words that you think of when you think of Hondas, you know. And if you think of a Honda car, you probably think, okay, Japanese. You probably think, well, they're kind of reliable. But you probably think they're kind of medium-priced, they're kind of sensible, and so on, right? I mean, they're okay cars. Maybe you think reliable. Hondas have a reputation for being reliable, and that's fine. But you don't really think of a Honda the same way that you think about a Mercedes-Benz. So generally, you wouldn't think, okay, Hondas are really luxurious. If you wanted, so here's the thing, right? If you were a car manufacturer, and let's imagine you wanted to make a car that was very luxurious, and you wanted to make a luxury car. Now, if you owned the Honda factory, you have a problem. Because you can build anything you want. You can have leather seats. You can have flashing lights. Wee fancy buttons. And you can even have walnut dashboards. But here's the problem. When that car comes off the production line, it's going to have a Honda badge. And nobody associates Honda with luxury. It's, you know, it's just not there. So what those people at Honda did, you know, those sons of a guns, they knew about this stuff. And they followed a little law, which is called the law of differentiation. And they said, we would like to build a luxury car, but we know that the Honda brand has its strengths and its weaknesses, and it may not be entirely suited to this stuff. So we are going to start a brand new brand. <laughs> and they started up this brand new type of car. And do you know what they called it, folks? Lexus. How awesome is that? And, and of course, what does Lexus sound a wee bit like? Well, it's got an L. We've got an exercise thing going on. So it's, you know, luxury Lexus. Can you see the kind of subliminal associations going on? Yes. There you go. You see? See? So... When they launched Lexus, you know, 
in case you never knew, I mean, I know that you already knew this stuff, right? But Lexus, Honda, it's the same people, okay? Lexus and Honda, it's the same people. As a matter of fact, I think they literally come off of the same production lines. It's just that one is a Lexus and one is a Honda. But the Lexus, you know, the Lexus brand, they are much more expensive and all geared towards the luxury market. So that's kind of cool as well. Now, the reason why I'm giving you these stories, the reason why I'm talking to you about McDonald's and Starbucks and Honda is because I'm trying to show you that you do not have to come up with the next Facebook. You don't have to build the next YouTube. Do you know what? You don't even have to be the next Steve Jobs. There are tons of success stories with people who have just kind of gone a different route. A route that is intelligent and a route that has a far better chance of succeeding than the crazy, deluded invention route. Can you handle what I'm saying, folks? So, in conclusion, I'm, basically I'm saying to you that a lot of people have got crazy ideas about what works on the web. I can guarantee you that between now and the next time we are here, between the, you know, over the next seven days, I'll have more conversations with people who have ideas. Some of the ideas will be good. I mean, you know, there's still a few good ideas and people, there are people who will do well, but uh, there's a lot of people who have lost the plot. And in my opinion, the best way to deal with that is to change your role models. All of the examples that I've given you today on the positive front, they never invented anything. They just did things better. In the case of Honda, they just applied a simple law of marketing. You can read about this stuff, you know, it's not rocket science, okay? It's very simple stuff. You narrow the focus, you strengthen the brand, you know? It's basic, you know, there's a few of these wee rules, you know, here's another one, right? The more complicated your product is, the more simplistic your website should be. That's called the law of simplicity. Now you may say, well, where'd you get this from? How does it work? Folks, here's, here's an idea. Try searching for car insurance on Google. Pretty complicated thing to sell, don't you think? Have a look at the sites that are on page one. Have a look at the market leaders. Look at how simplistic their websites are. Look at how their websites are all cartoon-like. That's the law of simplicity. This is stuff that the people who are at the top know about, and it's time that you learn this stuff as well. How about the law of complexity? Can you guess what that says? You've got it. It says the the more <laughs> simplistic something is, then the more complex the marketing should be. You want an example of that? Well, here's an example. Great example is the music industry. Take, for example, guitar strings. 
Orgatar leads. We see this kind of law of complexity playing out all the time in the music industry. Now I'm sitting here, I just noticed actually, I'm doing this show from home today. And I am here today with my, with my wonderful little banjo. I wonder if I can remember how to play it. sorry I think that's two shows in a row where I've played the banjo I'm terribly sorry and I know I'm rusty but here's the funny thing okay if you search for the manufacturers of things like banjo strings or guitar strings check out some of the literature it will blow your mind I mean you know when you think about it a a guitar string or a banjo string it's a fairly simplistic thing it's really just a piece of nickel or something or steel that's been spun out and you know a wee bit on the end of it and it's quite a simplistic thing compared to say an iPhone okay but check out the literature from the manufacturers I mean it's all oxidization and resonance and scientifically calculated to be the most pristine tone ever it's unbelievable so if you if you go to the music industry have a look at uh, websites like Fender Gibson look at the way that they talk about instruments which really are not that complicated most of the time so there you have it folks I've gone on and on this has been the longest show ever but I'm trying to help you with your ideas has this been any use to you you know something I have to tell you, I don't have any idea who listens to this show. I have, I don't um, have any analytics on the site. I don't have any hit counters. I really don't do anything like that because I know that if I start to do that, if I start to go down the road of recording everything, you know, recording visitors and tracking them then suddenly something which is a wee happy hobby for me is going to start becoming serious and I don't want that to happen. This is all free, you know, and I I like this part of my life. I like doing this for free. I enjoy it. But you know something? I have no idea who's listening to this. Is anyone listening to this? Maybe I'm just talking to myself. I don't know. You know, I really haven't got, got got a clue. There are people joining the uh, my little kind of insider club from time to time. But if I'm honest with you, there's not that many. Overall, I would have to say I'm quite disappointed with the uptake on the insider club. That's, you know just been a wee bit of a disappointment so I have no idea who's listening to this if you're listening to this and this means anything to you or even if you want to just say you know this is a load of rubbish I would love to hear from you so please just let me know you're alive will you that would be kind of cool 
and uh, that's me so thank you very much indeed for uh, your time and attention it's been a pleasure and a privilege today has been about the theme change your role model my name's david Connolly, and you have been the best of the best until next time stay safe be cool and remember we are all we are all born equally equally regardless of which country we are from or whether or not we actually won the olympic gold catch you later stay cool bye